Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Davina Shinsky, and you're listening to Live Without Limits. Today's show is titled Strategically Pricing Your Freelance or Consulting Services. This is a very important topic because I've often seen people who are in the industry that literally don't know how to price their services or price their products. It's a matter of doing the research. I don't know how many times I will see people ask questions that if they literally just go on Google and put the question in, they can find the answer from people who already know. There's no reason to sit here and ask a question just to be paid so that someone else can spend the time answering it when they're not being paid for their time. So if you're a freelancer, even an experienced one, I get a nickel that you know the pricing of your services correctly is tough and that every Tom, Dick, and Jane who call themselves business coaches or freelancing coaches have written a blog or three on how to do it. What you may not realize is that those blog limits themselves pricing, which is a critical but insufficient step. They may also be at least somewhat inaccurate, incomplete, and misleading. So what we're going to do here is we're going to analyze the formulas written up by freelancing coach to point out where I disagree with it and what to do instead. I also add some guidance on adding a strategic top-down assessment to maximize your results. Remember, the more knowledgeable you are on a subject, the more you get to be known on or as an authority in your industry, the more you can charge. That's why doing things like podcasting, videos, things where people can see and hear you can go a far and a lot further than anything to show you up as being an authority. And just because you have a name, big thump, because of the family you come from from birth does not make you an authority on a subject. It may get you your foot in the door to do one or two speeches, but eventually, unless you are an expert in the industry, no one's going to want to hear that same story over and over again. Every professional speaker has a message to give. 
but they often change up their features and their stories to build momentum and become known as an authority in the industry. It all starts with your hourly rate until and unless you become nationally or internationally known as an expert in your field who can pretty much write your own ticket, think $10,000 to $100,000 speaking fees. More likely than not, you're selling your time, even if you're charging by the project. More on that later. And we have to start with an hourly fee. I know that as a coach, what I do is I will give several different prices based on whether or not someone buys my services by the hour, whether they buy a package of three months, whether they buy a package of six months, or whether they buy a package of a year or more. As a freelancer, you have some unique expenses and taxes compared to employees. You also don't have any benefits that you don't pay for yourself. That's why you have to make sure that your calculations address all these differences and the following is part of the process for setting my own consulting rates as well as what I use when guiding my small business coaching clients. Now, before we get into that formula, I want to say this, that we are currently in a COVID-19 pandemic. And I know that dates the show. But what it's going to tell you is that if you look back towards the latter part of the 20th century and all of the beginning of the 21st century, we've literally been moving from working a nine-to-five job to working from home remotely. And because people were so ingrained that you had to do the nine-to-five job in a physical place, that now that we're forced to be at home, so many of them don't know what to do with their time and don't know how to transition. The fact of the matter is that when we get back to normal, half of those jobs are going to be gone and they're all going to be moved online because every business has to have some type of online presence. And we see people, when you talk about Cyber Monday and how it was increasing every year, that even now more and more people are buying online and buying from Amazon. Why from Amazon? Because Amazon is the most publicly known company. The formula for calculating hourly rate from a freelancing coach with a few problems. Here's what I disagree with. It doesn't clearly address your taxes. It doesn't clearly address savings that you really have to set aside such as building an emergency cash cushion and saving for retirement. It doesn't address saving 
for other things. So just down payment for a house, buying a car, vacations, and anything else that you want. It assumes that you never get sick and never take any sick vacations. So this is what we're talking about. Your hourly rate is your total expenses times 12 months over your weekly working time. And that is what we mean by it not taking into account because it's saying and doubling as how you would look at creating your time. So here's what the formula should look like that is helpful. Your hourly rate should be monthly expenses times 12 months over weekly billable time. And my formula for setting your minimal hourly rate for freelancing or consulting services, for this formula to be useful to you, let's define each element and see what should be in it so nothing remains hidden. What are your monthly expenses, all your business and household expenses, including in no particular order. For instance, what is your rent or mortgage on your home or office, if you have any? What's the utilities or expenses that you're paying? What are you spending on meals, whether it's business or non-business when you go out to eat? And your legal and professional services, such as a bookkeeper, a CPA, attorney, and other people that you have to hire to help you in your business. What is your insurance, your home, your auto, your professional, your liability, your umbrella, your life long-term and short-term disability? long-term care, and other expenses. What are you paying to market? What are your subscriptions and dues to professional organizations? What are you paying for broadband internet services for common office? What are you paying for cable TV? Now, do you have a phone, whether it's mobile and landline, or either, or one, or both? What's the maintenance and repairs that you have to pay on your home and office? What's the property taxes of your home and office? What do you have to pay to get supplies for your home and office? Do you have travel expenses for business and non-business? What are your auto expenses? Gas, maintenance repairs, parking, tolls, loan payments, if any. That can be when people lease cars, you're making monthly payments on them. Merchant card services, if you accept credit card payments, equipment, your laptop, your postage, clothing and shoes, miscellaneous, personal expenses, 
but just grooming, hobbies. Like, do you belong to a gym to exercise or swim? Do you have to get your hair cut? Do you have to pay for your laundry? Equipment. Charitable giving. Groceries. This is something that we often forget about is we're always paying for, for groceries, whether you're shopping every week or once a week or every day. However, the gifts you spend, the health and dental insurance premiums, the medical expenses, eating out or ordering in, and also this is something that once the pandemic is over, we are going to be doing, like going to sports events, or seeing movies, or plays. What are your expenses for those things? Now, you may not have all of these each year. Some of you may never have them. And you may have some others that I didn't list. But just look at your expenses over the past year. You keep track of those, right? And remove categories as best fits your situation. Estimated annual taxes. You have federal tax, state tax, your local tax, your income taxes, including self-employment taxes, without forgetting to consider all of your business deductions. This also considers business taxes, such as personal property filing fees and taxes. That's the thing, at least in Maryland. Now, here's the thing also about savings, because you really need to include all of that as part of your expenses. So what are your required savings? enough to build over a few years, an emergency fund, plus at least 15% of income towards retirement. Your emergency cushion is intended to let you keep paying for those things that can't, shouldn't be cut if business slows down. Or if you're too sick to work, this is also where you go for your money to cover emergency expenses. So think of your car needing a new transmission, a major medical issue. Regarding retirement savings, you have a solo 401k or an SCP IRA that is a self-employed property tax IRA, right? The 15% may need to increase to 25% or more if you're no longer in your 20s or 30s. And really, set much aside. Think about it. When you're in your 20s, your potential <coughs> to work is at least 30 or more years. <coughs> The older you are, the less years you have to work and the less time you have to accumulate. 
everything. So often think about those things. They're important because they are all a part of how you calculate your services. And when you calculate a project, look at it this way. Go and figure out how many times, hours it will take you to complete a project. And if you need to make a hundred or a hundred and fifty dollars an hour, you multiply that. Now, if you are going to be doing multiple projects, then you can look at it as a this way to discount the first one with the idea that they are definitely signing up for the second one. These are some things that you should always consider when you are looking at building your business. And it's often the things that we don't really think about. Desired savings. You need enough to build up a down payment for a house, some mad money so that you can go on vacations. Money for extras that you find that the quality you provide can command a higher rate than you get out of the formula without it. Weekly billable hours, the number of hours you realistically can and want actually work with clients with leaving enough time to sharpen the saw, which means that per Stephen Covey's seventh habit of highly effective people, you Fred right, right? Market your services, including posting social media, blogging on your own site. You have one, right? Building an email list. You have one of these two, right? And emerging with the numbers. Handle the administrivia required to keep your business running. And within the law, bookkeeping, accounting, and so on. The idea is that you need to know exactly how much profit you want to make at the end of the year. You have to figure out how many hours you want to work. And you also have to include all your expenses along the way. And, yes, it's hard when you first get started because you may not have any idea what those expenses will be. So that's why often people are told as entrepreneurs don't expect to make money the first year because that first year is usually figuring out and it's also a time when you're building up your testimonials to build up your credibility for who you are as an authority in your industry. The number of weekly billable hours really depends on the type of work that you do, how well that you market your services. If you've already been freelancing for a while, you should know how many hours you bill in a typical week. So use that. Most years, my average has been 50 plus 
billable hours per week, but that's not typical. If you're a therapist, you probably burn out if you try to maximize your 30 to 40 sessions per week caseload. So don't. If you're just starting out, plug in 20 hours until you have better data. The reason I put in 48 weeks a year and not 52 is that most people periodically get sick and need to take time off to recharge. I don't account for long weekends because you can easily make up hours lost on the 4th of July, Thanksgiving, etc. By working a few more hours in the weeks leading up to these and immediately following. Or you can simply work through them if you're so inclined. Do this and you're staring at a hard deadline, but I wouldn't recommend it as a regular practice. And here's another thing to think about. Think of a way of increasing your income by creating passive income. And what we mean by passive income is we're talking about creating multiple streams of income, that you can take one product and multi-purpose it. First, use it as an e-book. Then use it as an e-learning course. Then use it as a webinar. And then lead into personal coaching. That way, you can increase your price. And always remember that if 50 people bought your e-book, you're probably not going to sell but maybe 10 to 15 e-learning courses. And out of the 10 to 15 that buy your e-learning course, probably only five or six are going to be buying your personal coaching. But here's the kicker. An e-book is a digital product that once you have created it, you can sell it multiple times. An e-learning course is a digital product that once you've created it, you can sell it on multiple platforms, not only on the place where you currently hold it. And then you can always create webinars that are evergreen and then use a chat box where they can send you messages while they're in the webinar, and then you can be answering those messages as though you're right there in it, even though it's not live. So there's so many ways today that you can create multiple streams of income that can help you increase your income versus your expenses. Charging by the project. So think about all of those things and think about how you can take all of those things 
and literally earn what it is that you want to earn. Charging by the hour has two big drawbacks. First, it sets you and your client up such a way that your interests don't align. As an hourly freelancer, you get paid more. You take more time to get the job done. Your client, on the other hand, prefers that you finish it quickly as possible while providing the quality that he wants. This the, that minimizes his cost. When you charge for the project, your client knows in advance exactly what he'll have to pay. Anytime you can reduce or remove uncertainty like that, it makes it easier for clients to decide to hire you. The second drawback to charging by the hour is that it doesn't reward you for becoming more efficient as you become more experienced and have more of the portfolio that completed your projects to draw inspiration and components from. You can complete the same project in fewer hours. Say you charge $500 for a thousand word article. Completing the project may take you five hours within your first start writing specific topic resulting in a $100 hourly rate. However, if you've already written a few articles on the same topic, you may now only need two hours for a 250 hourly rate. That's a great example of how charging by the project can benefit you without hurting your client. While you are an while, as you can see, in many cases, it's best to charge by the project. You do need to have a pretty good idea of how many hours the project is likely to take. It also requires that you sign a contract with your client that spells out very clearly, among other things, what are the deliverables. What is each deliverable do? What does the client need to provide you so you can get your work done? What does the client need to provide you with each input so that you're not delayed? What is the total cost to the client? How do you want to break it down into the total cost into payment? When each payment is due, preferably get some upfront money, milestone payments. As you deliver each deliverable, a final payment, once the project is completed to the client's satisfaction and a kill fee if the client decides she wants to stop in the middle for reasons beyond your control, how are Changes in client requirements handled, such as delaying deadlines and increasing the cost. How many rounds of revisions are included in your price? And how long after the deliverables 
that the client has to request revision and what is the additional price that the client will need to pay for each additional round. There are some cases where project-based rates are not advisable, if even possible. The client needs continued very support that cannot be accurately defined in advance in terms other than hourly. The client's requirements are not well defined and are likely to change significantly. You don't know how many hours the work will actually take. If you have an estimate, you can still charge by the project. But to be safe, pad your quote by 25%, 50%, depending on how many uncertain you are. Let's go back at and say that again, that you always need to ask between 25% and 50% more to your fees if you want to make sure that you're covering your time. One of the things I'm going to do is finish this up by telling you that you can go to my website, and that's the number one, personalcareercoach.com, and we can sit down with you and work out a plan that fits perfectly on how to help you price your products.